Hello all and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Boozer Jamari, and for today's very special episode, I have just finished listening to Amnesty episode 28. So, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm a big nerd, which everyone I'm sure knows. Uh, and one of the ways I like to be nerdy is D&D. And my favorite D&D podcast, because it's overtly everyone's favorite D&D podcast, is The Adventure Zone. And Mr. McElroy, Mr. Griffin McElroy, our DM at large, uh, in the most recent episode of Taz Amnesty, episode 28, he did something so crazy that I had to sweat over it. And boy, did I sweat over it. So real fast, if you're not caught up on The Adventure Zone, episode 28, semi-major minor spoiler. So feel free to stop the episode right now. Otherwise... I'm about to go into some obnoxious amounts of math. Here we go. In the most recent episode of The Adventure Zone, apparently we have Sylvans doing some big, big magic. And by big magic, I mean the episode ends on a cliffhanger. Griffin has the Sylvans cast some sort of spell that basically lifts a mountain peak off of Mount Kepler, the fictitious mountain around the fictitious mountain town of Kepler in the Monongahela National Park forest park in west virginia and this is part of a huge piece of magic but what i couldn't get over is like the the incredible image first of all he's such an amazing storyteller to put in my mind that there's a diamond hovering in the night sky blocking out the moon and that diamond is not just any diamond it is the peak of a mountain the peak of mount kepler and all i could think of the whole time was what on earth would happen if you dropped a mountain that you just like pulled out of the ground. So as always, I basically just got to work doing the math. And I'm just going to do some quick setup here because I know there's a lot going on. I know it's a fictitious town and magic's involved, but man, did I want to answer this question. So first off, we accept that Mount Kepler is part of the Monongahela National Park system. And so there are lots of mountains nearby that we can use as a facsimile for this. The entire mountain range that makes up that area is called the Allegheny Mountains. And to the best of my knowledge, the biggest mountain, the one that I think would be the most fun to use for this, would be the mountain known as Spruce Knob. It is the tallest mountain in the Allegheny Mountain range, according to its wiki page. It is 4,863 feet high. Here's the thing. There are a bunch of mountains out there and all of them are fairly similar in height. Like the top, I want to say 10 or 12 when you go searching for the stuff online are at least within a couple hundred feet. So for the purposes of this episode, we're going to pretend that Mount Kepler is Spruce Knob. The other reason I chose this is because Spruce Knob is give or take an hour drive from the Green Bank Observatory, which is often referenced in the show. So if I had to guess, I'd say that given that Duck is fighting people over at the observatory and Aubrey is to deal with magic at the mountain, I'm going to say that it's really probably somewhere in there. For the rest of this show, we're assuming that Mount Kepler is Spruce Knob, which is a modestly tall, almost mile high mountain. Now, in the episode, apparently a incredible powerful magic lifts the peak of the mountain to be used as some sort of channeling device for an incredible spell. 
This means that a modest chunk of a mountain has just been lifted into the sky. And because it's diamond shaped, I'm actually going to take it and take a little artistic license and say that's not necessarily mountain shaped. We're going to assume it's actually a cube, a floating cube of some size. Now, this is important. We need to figure out what exactly this mountain mass is made of. Otherwise, we're not going to get a good sense for what happens when you rip a mountain out of the ground. The entire Allegheny mountain range is, according to its own wiki, made of sandstone. I unfortunately do not have time to drive there. I'm sure I could do it in a couple hours, but I feel like people who are smarter than me are probably trolling these forums, so we're going to assume that it is made with sandstone. We know what it's made of. What we need to know is what does the actual density or weight of that thing mean? So since we know it's sandstone, we can go over to a website called aqua-calc.com where we can put in different sizes as volume and get out different masses. So one cubic meter of sandstone is approximately 65.78 kilograms. That's freaking heavy. That is people worth of mass heavy. And that is one cubic meter. So as, I, as they say in the episode, it's a giant diamond in the sky blocking out the moon. So we're going to assume that generously, at most, it is a half cubic mile. That means it's a half mile on each side of this cube floating in the sky. That is 4.8 trillion kilograms, trillion with a T. So the actual number is 4,841,343,181,607 kilograms, but just to save me some time, 4.8. Now I realize that's probably actually on the big side because if you have a, cu a half cubic mile of mountain in the sky, that and the mountain itself is only a mile tall, that's probably actually the entire mountain. So to be generous and assume that we want just the peak and be generous saying that it has a large summit and peak, we're going to pretend that the peak itself is closer to, I'm going to say a quarter cubic mile. So that's a quarter mile on each side, which is still 2,420,671,590,803 and a half kilograms. But again, because I don't want to kill myself, 2.4 trillion kilograms is what we're going to use. So the next thing we need to figure out is if we have this gigantic mass, this peak of a mountain, where exactly is it in the sky? Because it is understood to be floating up there. And given that the individuals in the episode are close enough and we'll pretend it's a low moon, we'll say that the mountain is, at the very least, if you can't see the, if you're seeing only the peak in the sky and not the mountain underneath it, we're going to assume that it is at least its own height away from the mountain. So like I said before, assuming that this is based on spruce knob, the elevation is 4,863 feet. So we're going to assume that this mass is at least 4,863 feet above the next surface that it would collide with. And this, this is again based on some rough trigonometry and a lot of theater of the mind. And Griffin McElroy, if by some miracle you hear this episode, please DM me at Small Stuff Show or at Cboozar on Twitter because I want to know like if you have some headcanon about exactly how high off the ground and exactly how much stuff was in the air. But I'm actually going to take a minute and give you a few different numbers to play with because I think that it's not fair to just say it was a mile. So I'm going to actually assume because it is standing alone in the sky, 
we're going to actually assume it's one to three miles, just kind of doing that trigonometry of if I'm three miles away and it's three miles in the sky and we're looking up at a 45 degree angle and the moon's behind it and this and that, we're gonna say that it is some distance in the sky. I'm doing these calculations for both different mountain types at one mile and two miles and then three miles in the sky, give or take. Let's assume that you drop this singular mass out of the sky. If you drop it from 4,863 feet, which is shy of a mile by about 300 feet, 400 feet? I've done enough math to say that I'm gonna just rough estimate this. I went over to, and I love this website. You might actually wanna check this out yourself. It's, um, this, this is actually a little morbid. It's called, uh, it's from angio.net. It's called their um, splat calculator where they kind of determine if you dropped an object from different heights with different masses, with how much energy and force would they hit the ground? So I went over there and I started plugging in numbers. So let's start with the smaller mountain. If we drop it at 4,863 feet, or because we had to do meters, 1,482 meters, assuming we drop it with the full mass of the mountain being 2.4 trillion kilograms, it will hit the ground with 8.4 megatons of force traveling at about 170 meters per second. For reference, the bomb dropped on Hiroshima was only 12 kilotons. So this is almost a thousand times more powerful. And it only goes up from there. If we double the height, suddenly it becomes 16.8 megatons traveling at 241 meters per second. And if we triple the height, the force becomes 25.922 megatons traveling at 299 meters per second. Now, if you remember from physics, whatever grade you took physics in, when you're dropping things from different heights, say apples or mountain peaks, the height you drop it at will determine the terminal velocity. But if I drop two mountains, let's say I drop one bowling ball and one mountain from the same height, the terminal velocity will actually be the same. The speed at which they are moving is the same. So in the one hand, we had a 2.4 trillion kilogram mountain. On the other hand, we have our 4.8 trillion kilogram. We've doubled the mass. So what you end up with is if we drop a 4.8 trillion kilogram mountain peak from 4,863 feet, 16.8 megatons of TNT, but the same terminal speed of 170.43 meters per second. Double it, now it's 33.6 megatons. And then triple it, 51.844 megatons of energy is going to be dispersed when that mountain comes crashing down at the end of the episode. I don't care how much big magic you say you can use, there is like no chance on earth most people, if anyone, would be able to survive that. I guess it's one thing to say we detonated a nuclear weapon with that much energy or force. It's another thing to say we dropped a mountain with that much energy or force. So because I want to make sure I knew exactly what would happen if we did drop a mountain like that, I went ahead and found some facsimiles for what that kind of tonnage would turn into in terms of force. And I scoured all over. I even came across a few great XKCDs and some other Quora articles that kind of pointed me to some useful sources that I will be happy to link in the uh, show notes. But the closest thing I could come to was in 2004, during the Indian Ocean earthquake, the force of the earthquake, which was a magnitude 9 earthquake, was the equivalent of about 26.3 megatons of energy. So if you're next to this mountain when it comes crashing down, 
at the very least, you are going to feel a magnitude 9 earthquake, assuming we went with a smaller peak, dropped from 3 miles in the sky. Now, there's a second thing that's going to happen. We, we need to understand that when you drop things out of anywhere, if two things collide, it's not just that the mass collides, it's also that the air in between is going to be displaced. That's to say, let's assume for a moment that we take this mountain. And we just pick it up. So there's like suddenly flat land and flat mountain bottom in the sky. If I drop that mountain from any height, air has to be shot out of, from that area in order for the mountain to finally make contact with the ground again. Anyone standing by would feel an incredible blast of just raw air and energy pu pushing past them. And as more air moves more quickly across other air, there's actually this friction and the air itself becomes heated. So you would feel a pretty sizable heat wave just blast over you as this energy came towards you. But fortunately, Mr. McElroy was nice enough to point out that this mountain is in fact a diamond, which I assume means it's going to crash into a crater. Now, when it does that, this same amount of air is probably going to be displaced in either situation. But what's important to keep in mind is if we're not directly at the edge of that crater, if we're not directly where the air is going to be shooting out, then we don't actually feel that direct force. So Aubrey and all the Sylvans who are up there on this mountain, as long as they can get away from that crater site, the air itself is going to be violently shot up at a diagonal. It won't be the same as if it hit a flat surface and just shot out in every direction, flattening the forest around it. It would shoot up in a diagonal and like I said, produce likely a um, nine magnitude earthquake but the sheer force from the air blasting past you probably wouldn't be the same. The last thing to note is sandstone, much like many other stones, when it is exposed to a lot of heat, it's probably going to melt because when you have that much force, that much kinetic energy smashing into each other, you're probably gonna end up with an interesting layer of glass around where that crater is. It might not be a very thick layer of glass, but it'll probably be there. The other thing I think is worth noting is you dropped a mountain out of the sky, Mr. McElroy, which means that it doesn't matter exactly the difference in height because even between the one and three mile height, we can assume the peak is going to be pretty deformed. It might even just flatten out a good deal. So there could be a inadvertent landslide coming out of when this thing comes crashing down. All this to say, Griffin, you're an incredible storyteller because it would take someone with quite an imagination to make me come home on a work day and just think, wow, I need to figure out what happens when you drop the peak of a mountain, the Allegheny mountain range onto its base at different heights and determine the megaton yield of that effect. Because God, your storytelling is fantastic and I tip my hat to you. To everyone listening, I really do hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. And if you made it this far in the podcast, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you're a big fan and you should definitely go find some friends who like the Adventure Zone or just like sweating the small stuff or coming up with all sorts of crazy ideas and introduce them to the show because word of mouth is really the best way to get us out there. And we want to find all sorts of cool other crazy ideas to introduce you to. If you want to get in touch with us about how you're liking the show, hit us up smallstuffshow at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at CBoozar. You can find the show at Small Stuff Show on all social media. And for some fun bonus content, make sure to go check out our Patreon linked in the show notes. And just as a small favor to uh, anyone out there who might know Griffin McElroy or how we can get in touch, 
please share this episode with him because I really want to make sure that I got kind of like get good numbers on how high it fell from and how big it was just so I can check my math and no other silly reasons. Anyway, thank you for listening. I've been your personal brain trainer, Cameron Boozer Jamari, reminding you from movies to media to the world around us, it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff. For real though, Griffin, hit me up.